Hey, hey, welcome back to the Weekly Impact Podcast for another week. It is February 12th, uh, Tuesday, and today we're on Mark 10. As always, I'm joined by <laughs> a laughing Daniel Yelverton. <laughs> when you said, hey, hey, it reminded me of a Kool-Aid man running through. So I was like, hey, 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 all right, here we go. <laughs> And Michael Miller over here, too. So. Yeah, sorry. What's up, guys? <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys have had anything exciting. Um, I went to a worship conference recently that I wanted to share a little bit about, but I didn't know if you guys had anything on your mind that you wanted to speak on before we get into any of I'm, any I'm of just celebrating the, the Chinese New Year. Since, oh, yeah. Yeah, since I... Since you kind I, of uh, do, don't you, I guess? Yeah. Well, <laughs> since, since I teach you know, Chinese kids English, um, I'm off this week. Nice. So, cool, yeah, man. Have, have a whole week to... Work on really work on some church stuff and and actually get a break. So it's been nice. Yeah, awesome. Um, Daniel, anything with you? Anything exciting? Anything new? Oh, not really. You had your big small group yeah. reveal recently. Yeah, we're uh, we're doing a. Um, I guess the yeah that would be the big thing is that uh, we're starting a ten week small group uh, season coming up on February seventeenth. So it's right right around the corner here. And um, yeah, we're excited about it as a church and. Really excited to get people connected in groups, and we're going to be going through the uh, chapter day, discover Jesus kind of movement that we are even talking about on the podcast. And so, uh, really excited to kind of branch out from this and then uh, start some small groups, kind of going over some of the similar discussion that we have. Yeah, cool, man. Um, I loved what you shared with us the other day. Uh, some of the stuff that he's come up with for this is really, really good, and um, we're excited to see what's going to happen within our congregation, within our church family, and see how people are going to grow and get connected. So yeah. um, if you're listening to this, if you're not connected, do it. <laughs> um, but anyway, my, my thing I wanted to share real quick, um, it'll take a couple minutes here, um, not of me talking as much, but... Um, so I went to a worship conference with some of the team members from the worship team this this past uh, week or whatever it was, week before. And um, it's a conference that I've actually gone to. This is my third time. It's down in Nashville. And being the worship leader here, um, the first year I didn't really know what I was doing. So I went to this conference and uh, really got filled up and learned a lot. A lot of stuff clicked. A lot of stuff was revelatory to me where I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. And I was able to come back filled up from it. Um, the second year I went kind of in a different place, uh, and uh, one of our team members came with me, and it was a cool, just totally different experience with this conference. It's called Worship Together. Uh, it's in Nashville, uh, the end of January, beginning of February, every year now, and it's always been great that uh, we've gone, so we went again this year and had more team members come with us, and um, I won't speak on any of their experiences or anything like that. I'd love to have them on here, and we could talk about it sometime, but um, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit. It made me think about this podcast, and I just wanted to share something uh, one of the things that was taught there that we that we learned, but um, there's a, a great artist, uh, Christian artist called Andrew Peterson. That's his name, and um, if you don't know his music, go look him up. He's not as much of a worship artist, but he's just a very deep thinker. Uh, every song that he does is based upon faith in some way, but he does songs where he talks about how he met his wife and all this different stuff. So, you know, it's a little bit different. It's, he's almost like a like the James Taylor of like the Christian world, if that mm. makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and I've had a lot of respect for him. Somebody on the worship team introduced me to him a couple years ago and I really like his stuff. And, um, so anyway, we're there and they introduced him to come out and speak. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like I, I, you know, I get to hear this guy speak. So he comes out and he speaks and, um, he talks about, you know, different stuff about songwriting and all these different things, which is great. Um, and then they introduced that he was going to get up and sing a song that he had written recently. And then Chris Tomlin comes walking out on the stage with him and, um, they ended up introducing the song and, and doing it together. And it made me think about this podcast because we just finished revelation in December 
the end of December, and uh, the song is based upon uh, Revelation. It base it's based upon the the seven sealed scroll. You know, nobody's worthy. John's crying because nobody's worthy, and then they look to the Lamb who was slain, or looking as though he was slain. So I just thought this was really cool, so I wanted to share this. Just the audio of Chris Tomlin kind of introducing the song, and then play the song for you guys. I am the worship leader here at the church, and uh, I just think it's a great song that I would love to introduce. So if we end up getting the podcast blocked because of this, I'll edit it out and repost the podcast. Um, And know that none of this music, any of that kind of stuff, we don't have any rights to it, claim to it at all. It's Andrew Peterson, whoever he wrote it with, and the associated publishing companies, record companies, all that kind of stuff. So we own no rights over this, but I wanted to play it for you real quick. One day every tear will be wiped away. One day everything will be made right, and there's only one. And so um, as we sing this, I just pray that you would, uh, it would just remind you of, of that. It's the picture of Revelation, and I'm, 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 I'm talking about this song like I wrote it, and I don't know why, because the guy who wrote it is standing here. Uh, but um, You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> I was thinking you guys should stand with us while we sing this. Yeah, we're going to sing it in. So Revelation 5, right? Is there anyone worthy? That's the question that was asked. So much sorrow, so much pain. There was crying, there was sorrow, that no one was found worthy. No one was found worthy. And then it says this, but then I saw a lamb standing at the center of the throne, looking as though he was slain. Just that picture, get that picture when we sing this song. Then I saw a lamb standing at the center of the throne, looking as though he was slain. And the most epic passage of worship, I think, in all the scripture begins to unfold. And it says, then I heard the voices of angels, thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000, in a loud voice saying, worthy, he is the one, worthy is the lamb, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So tonight, I mean, this afternoon, it is, it feels like night. <laughs> just feel that, just let this, just feel this church. With that praise, there really isn't only one word. That's the reason we're here. Do you feel the world's broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through?
Anyway, I just wanted to share that with you guys. I felt like it was a cool moment to be able to share a little bit of worship here on the podcast, which we've never really done before. Um, it was something that really, really spoke to me at that conference, really filled me up, reminded me of who our God is, of who Jesus is. And um, honestly, I just I think that that's going to be a huge song this next year, and I think it's really, you're going to hear it everywhere. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, just wanted to share it with you guys. What Hopefully drew you, you so it. much to that song, though, Brent? Uh, I think just the worshipfulness of it, mm-hmm. like the, it drew me in. It was one of those moments where I'm sitting there worshiping with 2,000 other worship leaders and worship team members and stuff in this gathering in Nashville, and just the holiness of God, the worthiness of Jesus, all of it kind of culminated in, and hit me all at once, and I just started weeping mm-hmm. while I'm listening to that song, just realizing again, being reminded again, who Jesus is, mm-hmm. what he did for us. And because of that, how worthy he is. He's the son of God. He died for us. You know, he's the root of David. He's, he is the, the prophesied Messiah. He's the root of David. He is the one who died for us to ransom our, our souls and, and, um, and reconcile us to God. And like it just, all of it all together came to me all at once. And I was just overwhelmed, you know, he's, and he's the word he's, he's, 
you know, with John one one, he's the one who spoke yeah. things into existence. Yeah, mm-hmm. like so, everything that you see is of Jesus. It's it's uh, definitely worthy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So I just wanted to share that with you. I don't want to take a lot of time on that. I know that we want to get into our reading for today and everything, um, but that was just something I felt like I was supposed to share. So there you go. There's your worship for today. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, like I said, we are on Mark 10. Uh, do either one of you guys have anything to set up with Mark 10 before we get into it? I think we're we're pretty much in the middle of this, so we're good. I, mean, I guess the, the biggest thing with in the middle of Mark, um, Jesus is doing stuff. So, like, there, there are people that are trying to figure out, is he really the Messiah? And, and, like, they're trying to figure out, what is this whole Messiah thing? Because, you know, you have folks that are expecting this this grand king. Then you have, folk, you know, people that are, are starting to realize, oh, no, this is not what, what, what the Messiah is. Mm-hmm. And so, so what is Jesus? And there were really three types of people. There are people that thought that Jesus, you know, wasn't the Messiah at all. Uh, and there are people that were like, well, let's let's let things f- figure out. Let's see if he is or not. And then there are f- people are like, oh yeah, he's he's the man. So, um, and and he's in this in this period of time where he's he's doing stuff. He's healing people. He's he's preaching. He's teaching, and he's giving people evidence to to who he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's and we'll see here. You know, he's he he preaches with some authority, which I, I would love to have been there to see what that means. You know, what does it mean when, because there's things that we can't see in the text. We can't hear Jesus' tone of voice, mm-hmm. you know. So I'd, I'd be curious to see what that looked like, to see Jesus teach with authority. But mm-hmm. but that's kind of what's going on. We're in the middle of all that. Okay. Do you have and, anything to add? And this is just a time where Jesus is in transition to go towards Jerusalem, towards the last week, because the next chapter will go into the triumphal entry. Yeah. And so uh, I think, Michael, you just kind of alluded to is that there was different perceptions of what the Messiah was supposed to be. And Jesus is kind of breaking the mold, and he's kind of popping their bubble when it comes to what the Messiah is supposed to be like, even to the point where even when Peter professes that Jesus is the Messiah, then Jesus tells him, well, the, you know, I'm going to have to be a suffering Messiah. I'm going to suffer and die, and that's the way that it's going to work. That's how this kingdom is going to come about. And Peter pulls him aside and says, no, that's not going to happen that way. And and then Jesus rebukes him and calls him Satan, mm-hmm. um, which is never a good day. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so this is this time where Jesus is telling his disciples a third time who he is and what he's come to do. And their perception of the of what the Messiah is and what he's what his plans and intentions are are very off from yeah. from theirs. And so, his teaching, his the the way uh, what he came to do was very upside down from what people expected. Yeah. And so you can kind of see a little bit of the confusion and the conflict there. Yeah. And keep in mind, Mark moves really fast. Mark's only sixteen chapters compared to was it twenty eight or something like that in Matthew. There's 28 in Matthew, 24 in Luke, and Luke 21 guy. in John, I think. <laughs> so it's, yeah, so this one's short. This um, is Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> what is? <laughs> Chapters of the Gospels. <laughs> but yeah, but being short, he moves pretty quick. So yeah. so we're covering a lot of ground in a short period of time, you know, here in chapter 10. Yeah. All right, so with that being our setup for the chapter today, this is Mark 10 from the Dwell app. And he left there and went to the region of Judea, and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, 
he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, 
came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Okay, that is Mark 10 from the Dwell app today. Um, what do you guys have? Anything you want to talk about? Any observations? It's, the, this is a tough thing to, to, to talk about because there are a lot of cool things in chapter 10. I mean, because we, we can all get on the bandwagon of, of uh, you know, we love the kids. Jesus loves the children. <laughs> and we can get, oh, yeah, rich people suck. They're terrible. We hate rich people. We, we can get into, uh, you know, Jesus foretelling his death and, and kind of pick on the disciples because they're not really getting it or... Mm. Uh, you know, James and John thinking they're they're the best, and we can judge them about how like you guys don't get it, you dumb James and John, you know, <laughs> and, and Jesus healing people, and the, and we can talk about it. we will talk about some of these things, um, but it starts off with a very difficult topic, and that topic is divorce, and and I think that we would be, it would be wrong of us to just skip past that because of how sensitive of a topic that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so let me let me start and and you guys can help me navigate through this but um so there's some very difficult things that seem to be clear here with Jesus. So but let me start and say look if you are divorced it is what it is. Okay? We're not we're not telling you that you need to go get divorced from your from your remarriage or you know just just hear what Jesus is saying and we'll work through this thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So Jesus does say that well divorce is bad. 
in that you shouldn't get divorced. Mm-hmm. That should be a no-brainer, mm-hmm. right? We know that divorce is bad. That's not new information. And he also says that um, if you get remarried, is basically you sin and you're causing the spou- your new spouse to sin. Well, that's bad too. So what do we do with that? So I'll, I'll offer a thought. Well, first off, I want to offer a little history and to, to explain my thought, and I'll see what Daniel thinks about it and Brent, what you think about it too. But yeah. um, I kind of had a question about this as I'm reading through, like, okay, so how does this work? If, you, if you're divorced and you're remarried, you've sinned. So is it like the sin is over, we're done, it's okay, whatever? Or is it like, no, this is continual sin. Like every time you have sex is a sin. So I was trying to navigate through that and think like, what is it a legit marriage? You know, how does it, how does it work? Mm-hmm. So then, and I was telling Daniel this earlier, I think when I, when I run into issues like this, part of how I interpret scripture is I think of who God is. And I think of the overall narrative of the Bible. I, so I pull from other parts of the Bible, other parts of the narrative of the story, and, and kind of put in that with who I think God is to, to kind of figure out my answer. So we look back at David. David commits adultery. He kills Uriah, right? This is bad. <laughs> this mm-hmm. isn't good. Yeah. So he does this, right? And then, But then something interesting happens. God does punish him mm-hmm. because the, their first kid dies mm-hmm. so there were consequences so we're god's not saying it's okay david no big deal there was sin there was punishment for sin but it seems that god even moves on because david has solomon and the reason why i mentioned this is that in both joseph and mary's lineage solomon is there mm-hmm. which means god decides to, to manifest himself through, through the son, through, you know, the, the son is through this DNA, through this lineage of adultery mm. and remarriage. And really not remarriage because it's several marriages, but it's just as bad. Mm. So I think, that, I think that speaks to who God is. Mm-hmm. If God chooses to come through that kind of line, that might say something about God's forgiving nature. And, and I think it also might say something about whether it's continual sin or not. So my opinion, and guys, I've been wrong a lot. I'll be wrong a lot again. But my thought process says that, you know, yes, it's sin to get remarried, but it's a one-time sin. Once you're you're in that relationship, move on. Mm. Because I think God moves on. And I think Mm. the evidence that God moves on is with Jesus because because he comes to that line of Solomon. Yeah, That's my thought. I want to hear what you guys think. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think uh, we, we run into a really tough uh, just topic of discussion here. Like you said, Michael, it's um, how do we handle this? Because there's a lot of people that have ex- uh, experienced divorce. There's a lot of people that are in, um, you know, blended families, especially in our church body. But all of, a lot of our listeners, we have experienced this in some form or fashion. And, yeah. and I think that um, really where the question comes out of Pharisees trying to trap Jesus about, you know, how, how God views divorce. And I think that you see from Jesus' response that God's design from the beginning was that the man and woman would be united as one flesh and that nothing would separate them. That that was the original design, that was the original intent. And then um, through just the choices that Adam and Eve made, sin entered the world, and because of that, brokenness took place. Brokenness in relationship, division in relationship. even said that was part of the curse. Part of the curse was going to be division in, uh, in relationship. And so I think that God has always intended and desired for it to be 
uh, a decision that people would make and would make for the rest of their life. And then it says in some other chapters, it's in, in Mark 5, where Jesus makes actually a concession for divorce uh, with adultery, so right. with like sexual immorality. And so I think that the marriage between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this earth, uh, I should say, well, not the marriage, I should say the collision, the collision sure. of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this earth is constantly happening. And so I think Jesus is, is always expressing the intent and the desire that God has, but also to know that the kingdom of this world is always going to be opposed to it, pushing against it, and, and that as much as we can kind of condemn what would happen if like a family, if there's a divorce in a family or if uh, somebody remarries, I think we, we can see that it's not really what God designed it for and how the connection and the bond that happens in like in marriage, especially in sexual relation that you, you, you bind yourself to that person, you know, and there's something emotionally, uh, not only physically, but emotionally, spiritually, that happens, that takes place in that. And Paul even talks about that when he says, like, you should you should honor your bodies. You should unite yourself um, with a prostitute. And, of course, that's about temple prostitution. And that's a whole other story, so we're not going to go there. But anyways, but that that's the, the process of, of why God, one of the amazing processes of why God created sex and what it was supposed to do in the context of marriage. And so, uh, anyways, uh, so this is a, uh, uh, I think really what it is is that this is a collision between uh, some of the choices that uh, we've made as a not only as a society but also just as a human race and rebellion to God and how God's design and intention is for it to be a different way. But what Jesus came to do is he came to bring grace and he yes. came to bring redemption and he came to bring that. And so I think that we shouldn't look at this now and say outside the scope of grace and be like, well, this is really bad and you guys need to do all these things. Well, no, I mean, like I need grace. I haven't experienced divorce personally, but that doesn't mean that I don't need grace. And I need sure. grace in so many other areas of my life, infinite areas of my life. And so for me to single out somebody's choice to divorce or to be remarried um, is t- for me, it's it's kind of like uh, it's it's basically like me pointing out the the splinter in somebody's eye when I've got a plank. I have a serious grace issue that I need. And so uh, my my role is to extend grace, not to be be judgment of judgmental of anybody else and so that that's the stance that i kind of take with it because i think it's we could single this out and then make this a bigger deal than really what it is is that there's brokenness everywhere because of sin yeah you know and divorce is a product of that brokenness and unfortunately then that brokenness that brokenness just carries on it carries on in the relationships beyond that and i've seen it and it's really it's it's heartbreaking for me to see that um, but I, th- I'm so thankful that Jesus came to, uh, take all the brokenness and make and undo it. And yeah. just like Brent said, he's worthy. He's worthy because he's going to undo all of the terrible things that's happened in creation when he comes again. Um, and so that, that gives me hope more than it does point a finger, I guess, if that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. And when you say point a finger, I don't think that, I don't think that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. When, <laughs> when we talk about sin, we have to realize why God gives us rules. I mean, and again, Daniel and I and Brent and I, we were, we were all talking about this earlier. I really think we need to re-record <laughs> some of the stuff we talked about before. But, Pre-podcast um, recording. Yeah, pre-podcast. But, no, for real, God makes these rules for our benefit. Yeah. And, and I, I, I ponder what, what Mark is doing here with the way he structures th- this, because we go from chapter 9 where... When Jesus is talking about temptations to sin and he's talking about the children. And then right after this piece about divorce, we see that, that Jesus is surrounded by children and he's talking about children again. Mm-hmm. 
one of the negatives with divorce is that it hurts kids. Mm. Yep. So the, the point is, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but divorce can hurt people, and, and God doesn't want you to hurt people. He doesn't want you to hurt yourself. So I think that the, the reason for this rule is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not against you. It, God is creating these rules because he loves you. Mm-hmm. Does, yeah. that, does that make sense? Yeah, yes. and, and you said something interesting, too, a minute ago that kind of ties into— I'm glad you went there with the children for— um, you said that God makes these rules for our benefit. And and it's not just for our own individual benefit. Yes. It's for the benefit of those around us, too, which does tie into the yeah, children of that. Yeah, I mean, like the that. bigger us. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because, you know, I've, I've shared this a lot of times, and I'm not going to go into a lot of personal history here, but as a child growing up, I lived through five divorces, mm-hmm. um, which for me, it really drove home the idea that once I got married, that was it. Mm-hmm. Like, for a lot of people, they repeat that pattern. They choose to just this is how it is and this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to view things and these the, the way I'm going to make decisions and I'm going to go into marriage knowing that it's an option to get out of marriage. You know what I mean? So it made me take it very seriously. Um, but that also caused problems because I was with my wife, Nicole, for seven years before I felt ready to get married because mm-hmm. of all the trauma that I had lived through with marriages. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I mean, out, you know, not outside of what God says for it, but um, just to go along with it, with my own personal experiences, that, man, it causes so much trauma and so much scar tissue on all the people that, that go through it. And it just always makes me want to drive home to people out there, follow these rules, know that there's a reason that God is setting these things before us. Because, um, it, you know, I think a lot of people get into marriage these days because society makes it okay to do so, where it's just like, hey, I love this person. It's good. Let's go ahead and get married. And they don't really weigh it, and Good they point. don't really look at it and say, hey, this is something that is for the rest of my life. The vows that you take through better or worse, sickness and health, richer or poorer, that stuff's real. You know, You're yeah. making promises to that person, to their family, to your family, to God, that you're going to do those things. And I think a lot of people just kind of flippantly say those words and don't don't pay attention to them much anymore. And I'm not going to say that marriage is easy because it's not. It can be really difficult. It, you know, it has seasons. All marriages, I believe, have seasons that are extremely difficult. But it is worth it for you with every fiber of your being to try to work it out if you can. If you go through a season that you don't think you can make work and, and di- divorce seems to be the easy way out. Because, um, you know, it, it, from, my, from my experience, some of the worst things about it were like, I love the holidays, but it made me hate the holidays because Mm -hmm. everything's divided. And then it's not just divided to where you have to go multiple places and your your holidays divided to try to make everybody happy. It's divided because there's guilt associated with it as the child of this where you feel like you need to make everybody feel okay. So you need to divide all of your time and all of everything that you have. And it makes holidays not holidays anymore. It's supposed to be times where you're with your family and your love is there and and instead it's just like you're watching the clock because now you got to go make somebody else happy it it just it makes all of these responsibilities that you feel like you need Mm -hmm. you know and and it just it changes your reality it changes the way that you look and what you think a healthy relationship is um there's just so many different things like i said trauma scar tissue and you really need to take it seriously before you get into it Mm. you know i'm sure someone's listening right now that's struggling with a relationship you know that that divorce is on the table Mm mm-hmm and um, what I want to just throw out there is you're not alone. Um, we're here. 
and I know that some, some of our listeners are from, you know, overseas and such, but um, here in Lanchester, if, especially, if, if you need help, we can help. Mm-hmm. You know, reach out to us here here at Elevation Community Church. I mean, I, I know I, I, I shouldn't volunteer Daniel's time, right? <laughs> but, but I can tell you, I'll tell you myself, I, I've, I've been through some training uh, to teach seminars and help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you need help with your marriage, I'd be more than happy to volunteer my time to, to talk with you. And, the, and one thing that we have uh, in the works right now, we're really in the process of building up a leadership team for, is a marriage ministry. Is a ministry that's going to be focused on marriage and its original design, original intent, just like what uh, Jesus is talking about here. But also, its desire is that the marriage, marriages would flourish. Mm-hmm. And that that would be... Because you got to think about the impact. So I'm, I'm thinking about impact when I was listening to your story, Brandon. What's amazing is that God's good. Mm-hmm. You know, He's good in the process. And He has... Yeah. And he gives always opportunities for grace, and his mercies are new every morning. I think of the negative impact that divorce has had on your life, and it's, it makes me it just makes me sad. Mm. And I think of, but on the flip side, if God is able to redeem and restore a marriage, think about the positives that come from that. Think of the things that, and I, and I think that makes uh, me and Lainey try all the harder uh, to be just uh, follow in what God has called us to be as the husband and wife to each other, but and then also as parents to our children. Because we want so much for our kids to to flourish and to have something that is solid underneath them as they grow up. Uh, and so I think that there's a lot at stake when it comes to these choices. I think some people just flippantly go through to, like go through marriage and go through divorce like it's just like a dating relationship and, and there's so it's so much bigger than that. Yeah. And so I would I would like there would be a lot of caution I would put out there to say take heed to the choices that you're making on the front end and also on the back end. If you're thinking about divorce and marriage yeah. uh, and know that, that we were for you guys we're for uh, the success of your family and of your marriage, because we believe that that's a huge, that's going to have huge generational impact on not only yourself, but your kids and your grandkids and beyond. You know, something I think uh, that's interesting. I didn't notice when I studied this, but since we've talked so much about relationships, there are three stories in this chapter mm-hmm. that can help you with your marriage. When you look at the rich young man, you realize that he was more focused on money than he was on Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a successful relationship, I think a good place to start is to be focused on Jesus because we do see a lot of relationships in because of financial situations. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. so sacrifice, um, you know, the, the, the monetary gain, sacrifice the, the materialism and focus your eyes upon Jesus. I think that's that's one lesson that we can learn through this chapter mm-hmm. to help us with marriage. Another one is where we see James and John um, uh, when they're when they're they're wanting. Let's see, let me see if I'm right here. Uh, yes, I, I think I'm a bit wrong. No, no, you're right. I see what you're saying. He's talking about serving. Yeah, the basic idea is is we have a problem with selfishness sometimes in marriage. And, and we need to serve. We need to put others first. So if you're married, you need to put your spouse first. You need to put your children first. Um, if, if you live life selfishly, then you're going to screw up your marriage. That's, that's where sexual temptation comes in because you're, you're looking to fulfill your desires instead of the other person's desires. Yeah. So, and that's where still some of the materialism comes in. I want to buy things for me instead of sacrificing that for the betterment of my family. So... If we want to have good marriages, we have to be have be a sacrificial leader, uh, a sacrificial spouse, and that's that's what Paul tells us as well. And of course, 
The other piece that kind of helps us think about marriage is just the short piece about the children. Um, when we think about, about, about children and about how, how Jesus holds these children and how this, it almost feels like an odd piece in here. Um, but when, we're, when you're dealing with relationships and you're married and you have kids, your kids are a priority as well. So your spouse, Jesus is, is a priority, your spouse is a priority, and your kids are a priority before yourself. Mm-hmm. Those three things have to come before you. And, and I think if we get those priorities straight and we love Jesus, we sacrificially love our spouse, we sacrificially love our children, uh, I think that's, that's a good start to healing your relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a... I have a nephew right now that is going through some crazy stuff, like crazy good stuff. Mm. Like he just was discovered on the street for like modeling, and now he's possibly going to be doing some major things, and he's living in a house with a bunch of other models and going on these shoots and all this kind of stuff, and it's just a crazy life he's living right now. And I was just trying to give him some advice yesterday, and I think it was kind of meant for here too, but um, I've been through some crazy stuff myself, so I'm able to kind of convey some things to him and be there for him and say, hey, if you need any advice, if you need help making a decision, or if you just need somebody to talk to to kind of help keep you grounded, keep your head in the right place because you're living a life right now that isn't really real life mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know? Um, but what I said to him is something that I lived by. And a lot of people look at the decisions that I made um, and they're like, oh, well, you never got, you know, rich and famous. And, and so you failed at what you did. And I have never once regretted a decision that I made because my basis for making decisions was make the right, like do what's right over doing what's good for your career every single time. Mm. And I think that is what, looking at the selfish side of things, you know, in, in, in your relationships, in your marriage, do what's right instead of doing what's good for you alone. Mm-hmm. And the, the best thing that I can say of that is your basis for doing what right, what is right is, is why we're here is Jesus is the Bible is the word of God is morality is black and white that comes from the Bible. You know, yeah. it's those universal truths and it's those things that the priorities that you're supposed to have in your life. So I, you know, I felt like I said that to him yesterday and then now I'm supposed to say it today, mm-hmm. you know, as a way for people to base their decision making. Yeah. I, I think one thing that I love that you tied a lot into the examples of the chapter and uh, even just like what you were just saying there, Brent, I, I love how there's kind of like there's a marriage of our own circumstances and also of what we're reading here in the scriptures. And, and I think the one thing that really stuck out to me was in the conversation with the rich young ruler was Jesus um, when he gives him the opportunity, you know, the opportunity to follow him. Um, it comes at cost. It comes at a cost for the rich young ruler. And we we, we associate a lot with possessions here, but really um, Jesus is saying, do you trust me? Do you trust that whatever you give up, you're going to receive a reward in heaven? You're going to receive a reward in this life and in the next. Because he clarifies what he's talking about when Peter says, hey, we've given up all of these things. And he's like, you're going to receive a hundredfold anything that you've given up in this life and you're going to have eternal life. Right. And so, and I think that we have to we have to sit back and wonder if we can really trust the economics of the Heavenly Father, right? Uh, because I can take from, like, there was a time in, in our marriage, me and Lainey's uh, marriage, where I had to kind of come up with it. I had to kind of come to that conclusion myself because Lainey, in our first year of marriage, was going through a lot of really tough health, health issues to the point where I was kind of more of a caretaker than I was a husband. And uh, it was a really hard time, but... 
I just, I felt like the Lord was impressing on my heart that you are called to be her husband. And so you need to do this, whatever, it, whatever sacrifice, whatever you can, because it's going to be for my glory and it's going to be for my kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so I had to then rewire the way I yes. viewed my priorities, because if I was looking out for self, you know, I don't know where we'd be right now. I really don't. And then, but the fact that I was looking, I was reworking my priorities for the kingdom of God. And I was like, man, I, I believe that Jesus, when I see you face to face, that you were going to say you did it. You were supposed to do this. It was really hard. And and we were saying this, like I was saying this to think that I didn't know if Lainey was ever going to get better. And fortunately mm. through the grace of God, she has been getting better. And that's an awesome thing. Amen. But, but I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I had to make a decision there and now that I was going to resolve that, that I was going to be your husband and that I was going to serve her for the rest of my life because I wanted what was on the other side. I wanted the, the thing that Jesus said that he was going to, I was going to receive a hundredfold and I was going to receive rewards in heaven. I mean, he says that to the rich young ruler, you will have treasures in heaven. And we, we don't know exactly what that looks right. like, but there's a part of us who has to trust Jesus that if, if he was able to create everything and make everything amazing here on this life, even though it's fractured and broken, mm-hmm. imagine what's going to be on the more perfect, on the perfect side of heaven. So treasures in heaven is going to be, has to be amazing. It can't, it can't be disappointing. Yeah, justice, yeah. justice works both ways. Yeah. It can't be disappointing. And so, sure. and so for this, I, that to me was really impactful because because I had to make up in my mind who I was going to believe. Was I going to trust that, you know, I needed to look out for number one because that's going to be the most important thing and that's going to make me happy? Or am I going to defer number one so that I'll receive something great uh, for eternity? And um, and so and I'm just thankful that, you know, that, like I said, like the Lord has had mercy on Laney and, and things have been going a lot better. Her health is getting a lot better. But I didn't I didn't know that. And so I think there is a trust factor here. If you're in a tough relationship, if you have stuff going on right now that you're having a really hard time dealing with the design that God has set for us and where your present situations are, you have to ask yourself, do I trust that if I follow Jesus, that he will come through with what he says, that he will reward me, that I will receive something great in return? Because if not, then if you don't trust that, then of course you're going to make the decision that's going to make sense now. Right. You know, that's yeah. going to make sense for your own benefit and for your own kind of self, you know, glory. But if you trust him, then you have to live like, then you have to ask yourself, am I willing to live like this then? Because this is the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler didn't trust Jesus right. and walked away sad. And now we don't know anything about the rich young ruler. But we do know what happened to the apostles. We do know what happened to Peter. And yes, they suffered. They took the cup like Jesus was talking about later on with James and John. But we are still to this day talking about it, and their impact and their legacy has brought billions of people into the kingdom of God. Their names, like we read in Revelation, their names are on the foundation of the the wall of the city. Yeah, I mean, and so what's at stake here? I mean, to follow Jesus, to, to, to follow what he's saying and say yes to what he's saying is for the design of marriage, for the design of your life, for the design of how we look at things, how we view our possessions. What's at stake if we say no? I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. And I think it, I think it's all based on trust of who he is and faith. Yeah. Because I, I have just a quick thing to share from that conference again. Uh, there's a worship leader named Jason Upton, and he came, he came out and he spoke, and um, he talked about the, the, the five loaves of bread and the two fish. And he said something that was extremely profound to me at the end because, you know, the people were there and they were hungry and tired and all this stuff was going on, and the disciples came to Jesus and said, people need to leave. We don't have enough here. And he said, bring me what you have. Mm-hmm. And, and he turned it into what they needed it to be. Mm-hmm. 
they trusted in him. So when you were talking about you with Laney, with you making that decision, not knowing what was going to happen, but trusting him that he knew what was going to happen and giving it up to him. He laid out those, Jason Upton, when he was telling us it, he laid out those five loaves and two fish. And he said, if this is what we have, then this is enough because it's what the father gave to us in the current situation. Mm. Now we have to give this over to him and trust in him that he's going to multiply it and turn it into what it's supposed to be in the end. And in that moment, it's just us to trust him. And that's what you did. I mean, that's, you know, that was so profound to me. If this is what he's given us, it has to be enough because he knows better than us and he gave us enough. Mm. Wow, man. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I got nothing out of that, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, one thing I will say that, just to close this thing out, because um, uh, we've been talking a little bit about choices and, and making the, the unselfish choice, and I'm not going to get into it too much, but um, the guys that I'm in on the in the podcast with here, Daniel and Brent, um, they the choices that you guys have made, like you're talking about things that decisions that you made in Nashville and, and, and kind of trying to do the right thing here and there. Mm. And, and the things that, I mean, you've traveled from, was it North or South Carolina? From North Carolina. Yeah. North, <laughs> no. We can never remember. No, it's, it's, it's all just, the same. It's just, right? a, it's just a vicinity. It, yeah, the Carolinas. Over there, yeah. there's Carolinas. But, um, <laughs> but no, the, the fact that you guys have, have been obedient and, and made decisions, you've made a profound impact on my life. Mm. Um, and listeners, they don't hear since we don't record the the things before the <laughs> podcast. You know, y'all y'all just don't know. But um, but I, but I've been going through a lot of things um, with my relationship with God over the last couple of years, and these two guys, because of their obedience, have helped me significantly with my spiritual walk. And the reason why I share that is for our listeners, those small decisions that we make every single day, mm-hmm. th- those little things, those unselfish things that leads you to be where you are and leads you into the conversations that you, you find yourself in, those things matter. Mm-hmm. You can profoundly affect someone's life because you're following what God has for you. And you may not even think that it matters, but it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a, a song out there that uh, it's by Lindy Conant, and it's one that I speak of sometimes. But uh, the bridge of that song says, there's a yes in our heart and it echoes through eternity simple obedience changes history mm. and it is it's simple obedience those little moments those little yes. yeses um that really really matter you know um just because it's little doesn't mean it doesn't matter yep yep so all right i guess we'll go ahead and wrap up today then all right yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds good <laughs> this has actually been more of a just conversation than podcast to me today and i love it i feel like we've really yeah, gone some places and been a little unrestricted i really like it um so anyway uh does one of you guys want to pray for us today finish out i'll pray mm-hmm. thank you michael uh, dear heavenly father we uh we thank you for for both this day and and this podcast and just the opportunity to speak to people and and uh and, and love on folks you know through the technology that we have and uh and, th- and this week we lord we really talked a lot about divorce and, and right now, Lord, I just ask that you would bless families that are struggling, mm. um, just just mend relationships. Um, Lord, mm. whatever, however it is that you and your Holy Spirit, how, how you work with, with relationships, Lord, work. We just ask you to be there and, and do that. And Lord, kids that are suffering through divorces, and even adults that are str- struggling through 
uh, the divorces of their parents and all, and all the effects of that. Lord, give them strength and comfort. Lord, uh, just help us with all of our relationships. Help us to, to be less selfish and more selfless. Just help us to be more like you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and help us as we, as we continue to, to read these scriptures to see you in them and that we can be more like you. So, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all these things. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Daniel, for being here today, just awesome. for taking part in all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. I mean, um, it just thank seemed you. like a good moment to say thank you guys for doing this with me every week. Um, but, guys, uh, as always, thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, we'll be back next week. Uh, so between now and then, as always, just go out, show love to each other. Let the light of Jesus shine through you on each other, and just be careful. Talk to you next week.